What is up, everybody? We are here, episode 98 of Scorch the Fears. I have Rafael Vargas here. He is a really cool guy. I found him on Instagram. He's doing all sorts of stuff. I loved his content, so I thought I'd DM him and be like, hey, like, what? You want to come on the podcast? He said yes. It's been awesome. Really chill dude to be communicating with. I really wanted to know his story. And yeah, I'm really glad to have you on, my man. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. I feel very welcome, Jonah. You've been doing incredible things in your podcast. So thank you for having me here. I love it. And real quick, to anyone who's on Instagram, come on to YouTube. That's where you're actually able to hear Raphael. It'll be a lot easier to actually hear what's going on than just looking at me. But I want you guys to come on to YouTube. So real quick, Raphael, um, tell me a little bit, just for my audience, just for the people that don't know you, Give them like a quick resume of just like your bio in real estate, what you do, any other entrepreneurial journeys and anything like that. Just real quick. <laughs> yeah, man, um, I am a serial entrepreneur. I've done many different things, everything from real estate, uh, e-commerce, online digital sales, education, uh, massive events, uh, selling from stage, done a lot of different things. Um, and uh, I'm just a servant for God. The, the most important thing is I'm a servant for God and I just listen and I follow to God's direction in my life. I made a lot of mistakes, I made a lot of failures. Um, I come from, you know, no high, I got kicked out of high school when I was 15 years old, 16, 15 years old, never went to college. Everyone thought I would never make it. I was just a uh, dirty young kid uh, that had just a dream to become a millionaire and take care of my mother and my brother, who's actually in, in upstairs in the home with me right now. And uh, that was just my dream. It was just a simple dream just to take care of them. And from there, uh, I started in real estate uh, wholesaling. I went to real estate wholesaling. I became one of the largest real estate wholesalers in the entire nation, uh, where I flipped now over a thousand real estate investment transactions. I purchased- Yeah, yeah, man. I've, I've done commercial real estate, single family real estate. Um, and that transitioned me into educating people and teaching them how to become millionaires and multimillionaires like myself in real estate, where at my peak, we're flipping 50 houses a month. And, uh, and yeah, I just became very passionate about educating people and helping them become successful themselves. And that's where, you know, the rest of my career took off. I love it. I love it a lot, man. So I want to start at the beginning. This is what I do with all my guests. And I told you this before the podcast, but I really, I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, what I've noticed in my journey in real estate investing is that what screws people up the most, especially at the beginning, is not being able to get over their own fears, not getting their own fears of being inadequate, not getting over their fears of thinking they can't do it, whatever it might be. And that's the whole point of this podcast is to help people get over fears. So let's go all the way back to when you were starting in real estate, just starting to wholesale. What fears did you have and how did you overcome them? Man, um, I had a lot of fears. <laughs> I had a lot of fears, man. You know, I was starting in my mother's basement. My mother was, you know, working two different jobs trying to support myself and my brother who's mentally disabled. And, um, you know, it was very, very difficult and um, not graduating from high school, not having a college education. You know, everyone made me feel like I was inadequate in every single sense of the word. And I myself felt inadequate. You know, I tell my friends when I wanted to go into real estate investing, um, you know, I heard about this real estate wholesaling thing. You know, I think I could become, you know, make 100,000 a year doing it. 
And they laughed at me. They said, Raphael, you'll never become successful. You'll never flip a property. You know, I told my mother that, hey, mom, I think I'm going to, you know, just quit my job and just go all in on this real estate investing thing. She got so angry at me. She said, Raphael, you will never be successful. You will never become a real estate investor. I told my sister the same thing. I mean, my whole community, I remember going into a job because I was like, you know what, maybe I should start as uh, you know, an apprentice and get a job at a real estate investment firm. And I remember going to that job and they were just pretty much laughing me out of the interview saying, you know, a kid like you, uh, you know, no education, you are not articulate in any capacity. You had no communication skills, no sales skills. You will never become successful in real estate investing. And I will never forget that day when they laughed me out of the office, I went into my car and I began weeping, crying, because I felt so inadequate. I felt like the entire world was telling me, Raphael, no, 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 no. And the only thing that truly kept me strong and confident with knowing belief, unwavering faith was my relationship with God. You know, I felt like every time I went back into my mother's basement and it was just me and God. And even though the whole world was telling me no, my mom, my friends, my society, the job, the, the job I try to apply for, I felt like God in my heart was telling me, yes, yes, keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. Don't stop. Every time I cold called somebody and they told me no and they hung up on me, don't stop. Keep calling. Go harder. You know, read more, watch more YouTube videos, keep educating yourself, keep disciplining yourself. And, you know, I just remember this intensity of continuously reading my Bible and just being so dumb to just believe words on a book and being so stupid to believing just words on a book turned into unwavering faith. And that unwavering faith completely dynamically changed my entire belief about fear. Um, it became, it, I became a fearless man because no matter what the world told me, when I went back downstairs in my basement, when I went back to the Bible, when I went back to prayer, I kept hearing yes. And so even though no one saw what I saw, God saw it. And I think that that's the key to my success in every, every aspect. The key to my success is my faith in my, in, in, in God. And that's what's been able to overcome countless amount of fears. And now walking with God uh, for now, you know, 12 years, because I, didn't, I, I was an atheist for pretty much my whole life until I almost got murdered. That's a whole nother story. And I remember God saving my life. Um, and, and, and since walking with God for 12 years now, it has just created a, a monster. I mean, this level of faith and fearlessness and strength and confidence and purpose created an absolute monster in me. And uh, has led me to make, you know, not only $50 million in my career plus, but been able to ridiculously, radically change countless people's lives as well in the process. I love it so much, dude. By the way, I don't know who the hell said you couldn't communicate. That was just, that was the, one of the most powerful intros I've ever had to the podcast. That was <laughs> sick. Um, I want to talk about faith a little bit then. Because like you were, I was, my question I wrote down was how do you deal with your loved ones telling you no? And obviously the answer is God for, for you. How you talked about a really, just for like five seconds, you talked about a really like emotional experience to you was that you almost got murdered and that made you believe in God or it mm -hmm. sounded like that. I might be wrong about that. Um, if you, we don't necessarily have to talk about that, 
But my question to you is, how do you create a relation with, relationship with God that's that powerful? You speak powerfully. Like, I feel it when you're speaking, right? I can tell you're a guy who's made $50 million, right? How does one do that? How does one create that relationship with God? And then let's start there. That's going to be my first question. Like, how do you start even with someone who maybe is dealing with that, having people who are the most the most close loved ones to you telling you can't do it. You can't even make a hundred thousand, let alone $50 million. Right. How do you even start building that relationship? That's a, that's a phenomenal question. And, um, you know, for me, you know, the way you build a relationship with God is by simply asking one simple question, which is why. And that's where my relationship with God started. Right. When I almost got murdered at 18, you know, it was a miraculous event that there was no other explanation other than God saved my life. I mean, I was a complete atheist. I was hanging out with gangbangers and even the environment was just full of gangbangers. And that's how I almost got murdered. And how I got saved, there was only one answer, and that was God. And that's immediately when I started believing, like, okay, God, you clearly saved my life. Why? Why am I here? Why am I breathing? Why am I alive? Why am I, why did you choose me to continue to live? And I really believe that that is the most powerful question somebody can ask themselves, right? John Maxwell says there's two most powerful days of your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. And I became obsessed at the age of 18 after almost getting murdered. And then watching the man that tried to kill me and my family end up getting murdered himself and, and, and watching this entire ridiculous series of events leading me to why did this happen? And from 18 to 20, from obsessively asking this question of why, 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 why am I here? Why am I breathing? Um, I didn't find the answer immediately. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, as soon as you're like, okay, God, I'm going to believe in you, you know, you're just immediately full of wisdom, you're enlightened, and that's it. And that's not my experience. My experience was a journey. Two years of obsessively asking myself this question of why am I here? And I think that everybody can start there because if you're breathing today, there is a purpose for you right now. If you are breathing and you woke up today, God is not finished with you. I truly believe there's a purpose for every single person that's watching this live, that's watching this right now. There's a purpose in your life. And you need to ask yourself, why am I here? Right. And it's not just to pay the bills and, you know, and and just, you know, watch Netflix on the weekends and, you know, go on vacation one time a year. Right. There's a lot more meaning to life. God wants to use you as a vessel to radically impact and change other people's lives. He wants to use you. So you need to understand what that why is. And when you understand what that why is, you live in power. You know, I'm speaking powerfully and I'm speaking articulately, articulately because I've read, you know, 250 different books now and watch countless YouTube videos and countless, you know, uh, mentorships, you know, over a million dollars in mentors that I've, you know, had for myself. And so I knew that my why was to impact millions of lives, right? Create millions of leaders give hundreds of millions of dollars away and to um, and to dominate businesses and dominate industries, right? Th- that's my why, those three things. So every single day 
I need to make sure that every minute of my day is allocated towards those three things. No degeneracy, no smoking weed, no alcohol, no, no, none of this nonsense. And so I have to really lock in on those three things. And, and that's how you start building a relationship with God is asking yourself, why am I here? And God will communicate that and seek that and give it to you. I love it. I love that answer so much. So you start by being how it starts or how you would recommend for people to start is by asking yourself, why, why am I here? Why did God put me on this earth? What was the point? Like, there's a reason, right? Like when you believe in God, there's definitely a reason for, um, for existing. So then does God just give you the answer in that moment? Do you have to think about it? Like, is it, is it like a, is it something that just comes to you? I'm, I'm just curious in the sense that I've talked to a lot of people, for instance, who, um, say they have a why, but it's like a very kind of superficial why. Mm -hmm. Like I know people whose why's is the Lambo, right? Which <laughs> at least in my opinion, that's not going to get you there, right? That's not going to really, that's not going to be, there's just, it's just too hard in entrepreneurship is too hard for you to be solely motivated by the Lambo in order to get there. Maybe there are some people who do it. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I'm just curious, like, how, what was that? What was that conversation like with God of like understanding your why? If you can share that with us. Yeah, I think it, it is a continuous journey um, continuously. Like even to this day, this is the reason why every morning I wake up and I journal and I spend 30 minutes to an hour with God every morning because my why for the day is is very complex. You know, there are decisions that have to be made continuously. And so I must ground myself every single morning. So what I do is something called abiding. Right. And this is what I recommend for everybody to do, you know, to learn how to find that why. Because, yeah, a Lamborghini is absolutely, you know, it's it's not a why. Right. It's not a why at all. So what I recommend is, you know, this is what I do every single morning. I have a journal. And I find a Bible verse that relates with me um, for the day. You know, I find a Bible verse that relates with me for that day, something that really ties in with me. So, for example, I'll find a Bible if I'm fearful. Maybe I find a Bible verse like, you know, uh, you know, uh, a Bible verse that relates specifically to fear. And what I will do is I will write that Bible verse down and I will just journal and I'll say, God, help me understand my fear. Right. Help me overcome this fear. Help me understand how to overcome these things. And, um, and and that's what I do every single morning. And that's what's been able to help me from 18 to 20. You know, I, I didn't know what my why specifically was. I started asking, but I wasn't revealed it. I was not revealed it. I just started going to a church. I didn't even know what church really, like I, I didn't know what church to go to. I just went to the closest one near my house. And I was like, man, like, you know, I went to a Catholic church, wasn't really for me. Went to a Christian church and I really felt more connected in, in that sense. And then I just picked up my Bible and I just started reading these words of empowerment that really helped me um, get more confident in myself and become a better man personally. And um, and yeah, these things, sorry, I'm just charging, I'm just looking at my laptop. And these were the things specifically, um, and these were the things specifically that helped me find out what my why was, right? Just going to church, reading my Bible, and it just becomes a progressive revelation. It is not something that just gets dropped. It is something that is a progressive revelation. But if you truly, truly obsessively look for it, it will come to you. It will be revealed. Sorry, I muted myself. I love it, man. I just love that uh, you like 
I love hearing different people's ways of dealing with fear. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people who are religious and God-fearing men, and it's really interesting hearing your ways of doing it. I, I personally have more of like a universe ethic in the sense, but I actually do read the Bible every, every weekend. I read the Bible because there is something to it. There's definitely something to reading that book specifically um, where I read it. And I'm like, man, that like connected with me and connected with whatever I was dealing with in that moment. So I really appreciate you sharing all of that. I think that was super useful for the audience. Um, something I wanted to talk about, I really wanted to get into the idea of faith now too. This whole podcast might be about this because I love this topic. Um, I think faith is one of the most important things, especially when you're starting out, because you don't actually have the evidence in front of you right at this moment that you can do a, even a real estate deal, right? That you can even make 100K, right? You don't have like the physical evidence that you can do it. But having that faith in God, in yourself, faith in whatever you need to get you through it, and then you start building up that evidence of like, okay, I've done this. Now I think I can do this. Now I think I can do this. Now I think I can do this. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I just love it because I, I agree with you. I think that faith is super duper important, um, throughout the entire process, just having faith that, you know, in God or in whatever you believe. So I just wanted to re reverberate that back to you. Um, so Getting, I want to get a little bit more into your journey um, real quick, because I also want to know more about you too. You started by learn, by, with wholesaling. How did you find out about wholesaling? And then how did, your, how, um, how did you find out about it? And then when you were having this whole you know, crisis with like all your family and then saying you can do it and then also... Um, just dealing with having to learn that relationship with God at the same time. What, um, what was it like? Like, how did you learn about wholesaling? And then what was it like being a beginner wholesaler? Yeah. Um, it's very, very difficult becoming a beginner wholesaler, especially, um, when I was starting in 2013 is when I started wholesaling. Um, it was very, very difficult. And, um, you know, the way I found out about it, I was working a dead end job. I was making about $12 an hour. And this gentleman came in, uh, it was a dental office. I was a dental assistant. And uh, this gentleman came in <clears throat> and he was getting veneers and he was spending, I think, $30,000 on veneers. And at that time, I'm like, oh my gosh, $30,000 on, on teeth. You know, and this guy was driving like a seven series, you know, BMW. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous, you know, success. And I asked him and I'm like, hey man, like, what, what do you do? And he said, yeah, I do real estate wholesaling. And I said, dude, can you teach me? You know, I'll, I'll, you know, can you teach me? And at the job, I'm literally asking him this. And he's like, no, dude, I'm not going to teach you. Like, you know, do, deal with my stuff and, you know, I'm out. And he left. And I, I don't know if this was legal or not, but I took his information from the database. <laughs> and I got his number. Um, his name was Kenny. Shout out to Kenny. And, um, you know, I, uh, I called him and I said, hey, dude, you know, my name is Raphael. I'm the guy from the dental office. Dude, can you teach me? And he's like, dude, what the hell? No. He's like, no, I told you. I told you again. And I just started bothering him and texting him so much that eventually he was like, you know what, bro? If you give me $5,000, okay? He's like, I'll teach you. I'll teach you wholesale. No problem. And I remember I had like $1,800 maybe to my name, maybe $2,000 to my name. And I had to sell 
everything I had. I had like Jordan shoes. At the time I wanted to become a music producer. I sold all my music equipment immediately. And I came up with that 5,000. I think I got up like $4,000. And I'm like, hey dude, like I got 4,000, does that work? And he's like, all right, whatever. And he just took it. And that was my entire net worth. And you know, me as a mentor now, I see how powerful and how all in I was on my dreams and me talking to a lot of people that as a mentor, you know, I mentor people and now talking to so many different people that have that limiting belief in themselves. Like they're not really all in on their dreams. You know, like one of my masterminds, for example, here in my, in my Miami house is $20,000, right? It's $20,000, you know, but I've helped people become multimillionaires. So I feel like it's a good trade. And so, um, you know, $20,000 for three months of consulting, two days. And, you know, we got guys with 100K in their bank and they're like, oh, man, like it's I don't know. And they're working their job. They've saved it. And it's like, when are you going to really believe in yourself? You have to believe in yourself. And that was me. And I literally put my whole net worth on the line for this. And um, and that's what radically changed my life. The problem was <laughs> he spent about two hours with me about wholesaling and then blocked me and ignored me. Um, and so it was, it was even more oh, difficult. No. Yeah, it was even more difficult because now my mom was like, you see, you got scammed. Everyone's telling me I got scammed. The worst idea ever. I lost all this money. So it became just immensely difficult um, for me in my life because I quit my job. I lost all that money. And, um, and it was just an incredibly difficult journey. So as a beginner wholesaler, you know, um, you really have to work. You have to work. I think things, there's so much information now, you know, online, but back then there really wasn't. So I had to figure things out. You know, it took me nine months from the beginning of my, you know, deciding to do real estate wholesaling to closing my first deal. Nine months of no pay, of consistent no's. You know, I remember going literally three, four days with zero sleep, you know, no sleep waking up at 5 a.m. like as a continuous routine, reading sales books, you know, looking in the mirror and like mastering the art of communication and mastering the art of tonality and voice inflections and learning how to deepen my voice and all these things that I had to learn and master. The biggest thing that I think wholesalers miss on is learning how to master the art of sales and communication. You know, if you master that art, you can crush it, real estate wholesaling. You know, that is one of the most important pieces to real estate investing overall is sales and communication. And that's going to transcend to all aspects of your life, picking the right spouse or husband, uh, really spouse, um, picking, you know, get, getting, uh, getting more sales in any type of business practice, you become valuable. And, and even if you're an employee, you become even more valuable to your, um, you know, to your employer. And so, you know, that I think that real estate wholesaling starting off is extremely difficult, but now there's so much free information on YouTube. Go become a YouTube addict. Watch as much as you can, but don't just watch and educate yourself. Implement. Implement from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And from 8 p.m. to freaking 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Or like me, sometimes it was till 8 a.m. the next day. I'm, I'm working on myself. I'm reading books. I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm studying and personally developing myself. So don't just go out and do the work and don't personally develop in yourself. And also don't get confused that strictly focused on personally developing and watching content is going to actually uh, warrant you deals. You have to do both. You have to actually get in the trenches. I remember I was calling from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., literally nonstop. I would fast during those hours. So I was just nonstop dialing and dialing and dialing to maximize my time. And so that's what you have to do as a beginner real estate wholesaler.
That's such a crazy story. That's so annoying and terrible that he just took your money. That's so whack. But talk to me about that moment because that, that for me, that would be a despair moment, right? Like I'd be like, fuck, like, right? Like I actually took a gamble like that myself with a guy. I don't know if you know Jamil Damji. Um, he's a, he's like my mentor. He does like Ashraf, I think he's a wholesaler. But besides the point, he was a great mentor, amazing mentor. I had to pay him even though I didn't have any money. I used a credit card, but um, that would have crushed me in a lot of ways if I just got scammed. So like, I'm assuming the answer was your relationship with God was how you just were like, no, like I have that fire. I'm going to figure this out. Um, but I'm also curious if you feel like giving in a weird way, I'm curious if you feel like giving that 4k actually might've contributed to your success because a, it forced you to um, commit and B, you're like, all right, now I really have to figure it out. So I just want your opinion on that whole situation. Like in a weird way, do you feel like it helped with your success having to give all of it up and almost getting nothing for it? Yes, I think I think the most important thing and the key component of success and character in a man or woman is resourcefulness, right? It forced me to become extremely resourceful. And if you want to become a millionaire or a billionaire, you must master the art of resourcefulness, meaning there is nothing in your fingertips utilizing anything that you have around you, any resource that you have around you, you know, utilizing these resources, even if they're the bare minimum and turning them into something. And that is what God wanted, you know? And absolutely, man, when I lost that money, dude, I was cursing God. I wanted to kill this guy. I was still on my street <laughs> stuff. You know, I'm like, man, we're just gonna go to his house and you know, I'm losing my mind, right? So, so I was in no way like calm about the situation. You know, I was like, God, how dare you? I can't believe you. Why would you do this? You told me to do this. But you know, every time you look at things in retrospect, you know, those terrible, terrible moments in your life, every single time in retrospect, you look at it and you're like, you know what? I would do it again. Those terrible moments in your life. Remember every single one of those moments now in retrospect, you're like, damn, I would do it again because you understand that you needed to go through those things. I had to get robbed. I had to lose my entire net worth. I had to completely go back to zero so that God can say, I'm going to teach you the mastery of resourcefulness. I'm going to build in you a resourceful character that no matter if you have no shirt on your back, you are going to figure this out. And, and that character trait was more valuable than $4,000. It's more valuable than $100 million because you can turn $0 into $100 million with character traits of resourcefulness. And so yeah, I, I absolutely, at the time I was, I was, like I said, I was cursing God. I was cursing everyone, but now looking back in retrospect, it was absolutely what was needed. I love it. And then this just gets into a topic that I will always love talking about. And I think a lot of, I really want to educate people on, and it gets into it is just how, how do you vet the people you're learning from? I can already tell you're the type of person who's willing to pay for education. If it means you're able to triple or double or quintuple your investment, right? I'm the same type of way. I think every successful entrepreneur is that way, right? But how do you vet a mentor or how do you vet someone to make sure you're not getting scammed, make sure it's not like a really a guru who hasn't done it in 
20 years, right? How do you how do you vet mentors and people that you're learning from so you make sure that you're not learning trash or be going to get scammed? That's a great question. Um, two ways. One way is obviously like, you know, your mentor being like, hey, open up your bank account. Like, what do you what you got cooking? Right. How much revenue did you do? What are you doing? Right. Like if I opened up my accounts, you could see, you know, millions of dollars going through in a month in multiple different businesses. Right. That's only one way, though. And I think that that's not the best way to vet a mentor, honestly, because I know a lot of mentors that or people that make a lot of money, but they're not good mentors. You know, they don't know how to educate you on how to do what they do. And that is, so that's why I say there's only one part of that. The other part, and I think the more important part is what's their track record with mentees, right? What is their track record with mentees? How many successful millionaires have you created? And I think that that is a much more powerful way to really vet a mentor because, for example, I can call countless people, countless people that are now millionaires and even multimillionaires that have gone through my real estate education training, that have gone through one of my masterminds, that have gone through my intense one-on-one -on -one coaching, whatever it is, and they're multimillionaires and they can open up their bank accounts and be like, yeah, man, like my life changed completely. And, you know, I can't take all the credit, right? I just show people the way. They got to do the work. So those people do, did the work. They followed my guidance. And, um, and, and I think that that's the best way to vet a mentor, honestly. I like it. That 100% makes sense. Talk to the, how, how are the mentees doing, right? Yeah. And this is like my little tidbit on it is also, do you connect with the mentor, right? I think there are certain, there are even people who are really good mentors for certain people, but not good for others, depending on your personality, depending on whether you connect on like just a life basis. Like do you have the same values and stuff like that, right? So I just wanted to throw that in there because I think it's super important. I think there's a lot of people who scam people and yeah. So I just wanted to throw in like, that's a really good way of vetting a mentor. So I want to talk about that resourceful character like resourcefulness in general, right? I really want to own, own in on this for a second. Um, I agree that 100% resourcefulness is one of the key traits of just being like, dude, just figure it out. Like in the end, there's only you and whatever resources you can find around you. You got a computer, then you're going to be, then it's going to be great. If you don't go to the library, right? Like just figuring stuff out. And I'm curious, how do you how do you develop that right i think that's a skill so obviously you're you're up against the wall with zero dollars you have to but so like and this will be like this question will go into your story too is like how do you develop resourcefulness and like when you have zero what what do you do to become resourceful if that makes sense yeah i think i think for me you know because i i literally had nothing and, um, you know, I was so desperate. Um, I was so desperate to making this work. And um, I, I just I just found ways. You know, I utilize YouTube. I utilize free and I just have free resources. And I stopped playing the victim card. You know, too many people, they can never be resourceful because they are continuously playing a victim card. You know, snap out of it. You got robbed $4,000. That is the reality. I'm not going to sit and dwell as a victim anymore. I'm going to become a vic 
tour of this situation and I'm going to make it happen. And this is going to be part of my story. And so your mindset needs to look at these quote unquote terrible events, which in my opinion, you know, are just neutral. Everything is neutral. You make a million dollars. Good. You lose a million dollars. Good. You lose $10 million. Good. You make 10 million. Good. All of these things are neutral for me because, and they have to be, because if you too uh, excited about wins or you're too, you know, you get too excited about wins, you get too down about the losses. And so I never play the victim card. I never want to play the victim card. And if you focus on never being a victim, you can always find resourcefulness in every situation. You can find the good in every situation, the positivity in every negative situation. And I think that that's the foundation and the start is you have to look at situations completely different. Gotcha. So let's get into it. So what did you do? Right? Like you, you're there, you just, you have literally $0 to your name. What do you do? Yeah, the first thing I did was obsessively watch YouTube videos. But then when I realized that wasn't working <clears throat> too much, um, I, uh, I, I went and I tried to get a job at a real estate investment firm. That's when they laughed me out of the office. And I was like, OK, maybe I just need to, you know, maybe I'm so terrible that I'm not even worth uh, a $12 an hour job. I'll just work for free. And so what I did was I found another real estate investor, the biggest one in the area. And I went to his office and I waited. And I knew he got to his office at 8 a.m. I waited and I waited and I waited until he got to his office. I remember, hey, hey, mister, uh, you know, um, I'm not going to mention his name, but I said, hey, um, you know, my name is Raphael Vargas and uh, I just want to work for free for you. Like, I'll just do whatever you want. You want your car clean? No problem. You want me to clean the toilets and the bathrooms in the office? No problem. You want me to cold call or you want me to get your dry cleaning? Whatever it is, I will just be Free, free labor, free labor, because I was just so broken down that it even devalued me to the point where I'm like, man, I'm not even worth the job. I'm not even worth hourly wage. I'll just work for free. And he gave me a chance. He gave me a very, very non-hopeful chance. Like, okay, kid, like here's a list of, you know, properties to call, you know, here's a script and just, you know, good luck. Right. He didn't believe in me, but he did give me a chance. And with that chance, that's how I closed my first deal. Literally, I closed my first deal, $30,000. And uh, I split the deal with him. And, um, and that was and that was the, the game changer of my life. Um, it took me a long time to really get to that place to humble myself and find that mentor that just gave me that, um, that cold call list. But that is how I closed my first deal. And that's how I became resourceful, literally from nothing, begging a mentor to work for free pulling up to his office. I'd call him. He didn't answer or he didn't want to. He didn't. He said, no, no, thank you. That's when I just met him in person. And so that's how I closed my first deal and became resourceful. I love that. I love that so much. So is it is it as simple as going to the office and then being like, I'll do anything? Like, what do you what do you literally say? Because I have people who talk to me and are like, Hey man, like, I want you to be my mentor. I love your content. Like I really enjoy it. Right. And I'm just like, and I'm, I'm initially like the first guy, I'm not going to ever take anyone's money and not give them anything, but I'm initially the first guy. Like, honestly, no, I don't really do that that much. Like, how do you, how do you feel like you, cause I feel, I, I sense, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I sense 
you're bringing almost bringing back that fire talking right now the fire you had of being like no no no, no i have to do this like there is no other option for me right now i really need to do this and do you feel like it's like what is it is it like just being like i'm here i'll do anything i will like clean the toilets do you feel like it's just that or or is there another way to even show that like the fire that you're serious because to me i'll mentor anyone who i feel is serious right the issue is people want it and they take time from you and then it's like okay that was a complete waste of time right um so how do you I guess what I'm trying to ask is how do you how do you get a mentor like that? How do you show that you're serious? Do you really, do you feel like the best way is always like be willing to clean the toilets or what what's your opinions on that? I think there was a lot of personal development that happened before I even met him. Um, even though financially I was at zero, there was a lot of personal development that happened before I met him. So I understood how to be persuasive in sales and I read books to understand how to master the art of persuasiveness. And so when I met him, you know, I was clean cut. I, I acted like I knew what the hell I was doing. I could crush it. I can close deals. And I just, you know, it was it was a sales tactic. It was 100% sales. So you have to approach, if you just approach a mentor and you're sloppy and you're, you know, hey man, I'll do anything for you, take out the trash, whatever. It's like, you're not gonna actually get somebody high level to take you seriously. You know, this is just one of the ways that I secured mentor. You know, this is how I actually got my multi-billion dollar mentor as well, because, you know, myself, I still have mentors, right? I literally just wired my mentor $100,000 because we're, we're in a business together. I sent him $100,000. He's a multi-billionaire, owns the 49ers, um, you know, incredible mentor of mine. And he's like a father figure to me. We've known each other six, seven years now. Um, he's like a father to me. And the same approach, that I approached my first mentor when I was dead broke was the same approach I approached my multi-billion dollar mentor as a millionaire and a multi-millionaire when I was 25 years old, 24 years old, right? And what I did was I went super early to his office. I was trying to, he was holding a Bible study. I was like pushing so hard to get in this Bible study, right? So hard. Finally, they accepted me and there was only eight CEOs allowed to be in this Bible study. Finally, they accepted me in. I remember going there super bright and early, right? Super bright and early. The Bible study was at 6.30. I got there at 6. He's sitting there, hair crazy. I remember walking to the elevator. I was so nervous. Walking to the elevator. He owns the whole building, huge commercial building. I walk into his office. I'm like looking around. It's like the San Francisco 49ers, Super Bowl stuff, all this stuff, pictures of him and the team and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this, this is ridiculous. And then I look at the conference room, and it's just him in the conference room. And I'm like nervous, super nervous. I'm 24, 25 years old. I made a couple million in my career, but like I wanted to master and be a real estate developer like him. And so I remember what I did was I, I just studied him, right? You have to study your mentors. If you want to become, find a mentor that actually wants to take you under their wing, study them. I studied him and I was like, he's, he's raising money for, you know, this uh, helping children and feeding children in Africa or whatever it was. And I remember I was just like, man, I'm just going to write him a check. So I wrote it. I brought a check, blank check. I put $3,000 on it. And I remember walking up and I'm like, hey, Mr. Ed, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Raphael Vargas. He said, oh, yeah, son, you're here for the Bible study? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Mr. Ed, I just wanted to give this to you and uh, and just let you know, like, I, I greatly appreciate it. Here's a blank check for $3,000. I know you don't know me, but put it towards your foundation, put it towards you, whatever you want to do. And I never forget, he looked at the check and he looked at me so crazy, like, 
<laughs> who are you again? Like, who are you again? And I'm like, my name is Raphael Vargas. I, you know, I just want to show my gratitude for being here. And he he's reading a newspaper. He rips the newspaper, writes his assistant's cell phone number. He gives it to me. He says, talk to my assistant, set up a lunch. And it was like, boom, set up a lunch. And after sitting down with him, we built this ridiculous relationship where like, I literally just spent three days with him in the ranch, just me and him talking about real estate development, where the market's going. I mean, spending three days with him at the ranch with a multi-billion dollar, you know, real estate developer shooting, we're hunting and, you know, he's like a father to me now. And, and, and I know that was a long story, but I just want you guys to understand really how you get a mentor, what you have to do to humble yourself, you know, and I'm sure you talk to people all the time that there's too many people that have egos the size of this 10,000 square foot mansion. It's like, dude, humble yourself, you know, get beneath, lower yourself and don't act like you know everything because I approach these mentors like I'm here to serve. I'm going to be a servant. And that is the greatest of leaders. The greatest of leaders are the greatest of servants. And if you want to become a great leader, you must learn how to master the art of servanthood and being able to serve those that one day can serve you back. And I think that's really how you master it. I love that so much. I 100% agree. And one of the key things that I want to point out just of what you said was when you talked about listening. I feel like that is one of the keys to being a mentor is like, listen to what the mentor cares about, right? I know so many different stories. Some mentors you can just get by paying them, right? So they have mentorships and then you can just pay them and all of that type of stuff. But if you're broke, then it's then, and even if you're not broke, like your story, how you were talking about, it's like, I listened to what he cared about. He cares about his foundation. So I'm going to do something for his foundation. And Raphael, I'm willing to bet like you obviously wanted to connect with him, but like, even if that didn't work, you, you weren't necessarily expecting anything in that moment. You just were like, I just want to give this, I want to serve as you were saying. And then if you keep doing that, you will get the right mentor. There are, there are certain people who don't, who are going to be the wrong mentor. And I think that's filtered out when they see servitude and they don't like it, that's the wrong mentor. If they see servitude and they like it, that's the right mentor anyways. So I just wanted to emphasize that point real quick of like, that is one of the key things is like, listen to what they actually care about. You actually want them to mentor you. Um, I want to go back real quick to something you were talking about earlier about keeping things neutral, keeping like the highs and the lows completely neutral. Cause I think this is another thing that kills entrepreneurs you get a big deal you get like a 50k wholesale fee you're like oh my god this is crazy this was my entire w2 salary last year let's freaking go and then you don't get another deal for three months and you're like oh why am i doing so bad what's wrong with me right just that highs and that lows so i just want you to really quickly talk like how do you keep things neutral the good and the bad because i 100 percent agree that's huge and being able to keep your sanity in this business because otherwise you're just gonna you're gonna be feel like a buy like a manic depressive constantly going up and down so how do you keep things neutral yeah that's a that's a good question i think it's very hard to keep things neutral when you're working a dead-end job and you're watching your family struggle and then you finally close your 50k deal it's like your whole life radically changes um, I mean, I, it, it's impossible to keep things neutral 
when you go from zero to closing your first $50,000 wholesale deal. And I, I really just want to, you know, reiterate this because, you know, I want you to bask in that moment and remember that moment. I mean, that moment is a life changing moment. So I'm not saying, you know, don't celebrate good moments, um, especially moments like that. But I think now attachment to money specifically for myself, I've learned how to be very neutral about things and now having a lot more maturity in my finances and my spirit, I've learned to see that everything that is perceived as bad can also be a good thing in the future. And so you never know why something happens negative at the moment until you look at it in retrospect, right? Just like when I lost that $4,000, I didn't understand at that time, but in retrospect, I needed to learn you know, resourcefulness. I needed to learn these things. Well, for example, you know, year and a half ago about, I lost almost about $10 million, $10 million, a lot of money. Lot and of at money. that moment, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I was stressing so much. I was getting rashes on my face. My blood pressure was at 180. I'm like, how could this be good? Right. But I did learn through that time, even to learn how to be neutral because my spirit was more mature at that time. And so what I'll say about it is that you just never know why you have to go through things. You just have to have faith that it is for your good. And that's what I stand on. I stand on just my belief again with God. And I don't like to use, you know, I don't like, I don't, I don't like to call myself a religious man. I think that religion has a negative connotation. I think that religion has a negative connotation because it's tied to doing things and not doing things or laws and no laws, or you can do this and you can't do this. And I don't believe that a relationship with God is about laws and rules and chains. I believe a relationship with God is about breaking the chains. And I believe a true relationship with God, that God himself will change your heart and he'll change the desires of your heart to desire the things that he wants from you. So he removes these, you know, uh, degenerate desires to give the desires of what he wants. And so long story short, the neutrality comes from a place of just simply understanding that all of the plans that God has for me, he's using them for my good. And even the negative things that are happening at the moment, I have faith that in the future, I know that I needed to go through these things because it's for my good. And that's what's been able to have me more neutral. I love it. Awesome, man. So real quick, I want to keep going through your story. We're we got like 13 more minutes left in the podcast, or if you have to go at the 10 minute mark, I understand, but I want to go, I want to get a little bit more into your story. You keep working for this guy. And then, uh, what happens when do you, when are you like, okay, I think I can do it for myself or what's the, let's get a little bit of the continuation of the story. Yeah. I just, you're talking about my first mentor. Yeah. Yeah. After you got your first deal. So you get actually real quick. How was that feeling? Just like describe that feeling of that first 30K check. I mean, I guess it was 15K, but 30, either 30. way. Yeah. Well, well 15, yeah. you're right. Next. 15 to you. Uh -huh. um, what, uh, what, what you do? Did you just like, I, like, I'm not going to lie. I, I might've been a teensy bit petty and been like, Hey mom, look at this right here. Right. Like, look at, look at what your son did. Like it wasn't all a goddamn scam. I don't know. I'm just curious because that whole lead up was so crazy with just everything that happened in your life. Like what, what did you do when like you saw $15,000 in the bank? 
Yeah. Um, well, it, it came in a check. And I just remember leaving. Um, I was at the closing table and they gave me the check. And I remember when they gave me the check, I looked at it and I, I, I ran out of the room. I remember running out of the room. I just started weeping. I was just weeping and weeping and weeping. It was an intense moment for me. I mean, it was so intense. And like, you know, now seeing 30,000, you know, 30, you know, 30,000, right. it's not even about that. But at that moment, I was, I was just weeping because I was like, wow, this was real. Nine months of ridiculous pain and suffering and everyone against me. And that instilled this ridiculous amount of faith that I can do this. I can make this a reality and this dream can be true. And it just built in me more faith. It just built in me more faith. So that feeling was ridiculous. And the first thing I did was, you know, I took my family on a vacation. I took my mother and my brother to California. My brother loves The Price is Right. The first thing I did was I took them on a vacation <laughs> and I took them to The Price is Right. <laughs> so that's what I did. I love it. That's awesome. That's super cool. And then how did your how did your family react to that? Like, were they supportive after that, after that? Or were they still like a little bit like? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that OK, was, at that point, they were like, oh, yeah. yeah, no, he's got it. He's got after it. that. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And then like because like I know now you're like incredibly popular on social media and like you've gotten all of the success. Like, how do you how do you deal a lot of people I know because I try to convince people to do social media. I think social media is one of the most key things ever for networking, for um, getting deals, for raising private money for deals, all of this type of stuff. So I really try to convince people and a lot of people a lot of times are obviously afraid of what people are going to say from wherever they are, right? So what would be your, to your your advice to someone who, you know, is afraid of what people are going to think of them if they if they start doing going down the social media journey? Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's a really hard one because, you know, if you're going to care about what people think about you, you just shouldn't even desire any kind of level of success. Um, you just shouldn't desire it. You know, you have to understand that this level of success, when you are chasing greatness, when you are chasing legacy, when you are chasing generational and breaking generational curses, you are going to be hated. You are going to be disliked. You are going to be ridiculed. You are going to be criticized negatively. And if you are not ready for that, then you should not go down the path of success. You should not go down the path in this journey of building wealth because it's full of it okay and you have to learn how to master the art of not giving a f you have to learn how to master the art of not caring about what people think about my funny hair about my glasses about my stupid watch i don't care what they think about me i'm going to be me i'm going to be 100 percent authentically me and i'm going to be radically the man or the woman that god intended me to be. And when you're living in that truth, when you're truly living in that truth, you can go on social media and just be you without any shadow of a doubt and have a lot of confidence working in your own purpose and who God intended you to be. And so you have to learn how to master the art of just not caring what people think because they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you. I love it. That's true. I mean, it is very true, but I also, also like, yeah, like it's, 
people are going to think what they think, but also like for the, uh, just me reiterating what I've already told to people is like, in the end, who cares? Who are these people? Right. I mean, like, it's really shitty if someone who you really love is saying that type of stuff. But in the end, like Raphael's talking about, if you want the greatness, it's going to happen. People are going to hate you. It just is what it is. It's part of the game. You, if you want to, the only way to not be hated is to be part of the pack because every single time that you go to a greater level, greater heights, your um everyone hates it because they know that it, theoretically they they could be there because they weren't from they aren't from that different of an environment than you are from right so i just wanted to reiterate that um my man i really want to be respectful of your time so i always ask one last question on these podcasts that is my, one of my favorite questions ever which is if you could go back to um that um young kid who just learned about wholesaling right and is just starting to get into entrepreneurship what um what would you tell him then knowing everything that you know now with all of the knowledge you gained in the past um in all these years man that's such a hard question um you know i would honestly tell him not to go into real estate wholesaling you know because at that time in 2013, the opportunity was absolutely incredible. I was crushing it. We were flipping 50 houses a month. But at this moment in time, at least in the current market trend, right? If you were asking me, hey, Raphael, today in today's market trend and what's happening in today's market, I would tell them, don't do real estate wholesaling. That's my perspective. I believe it is way too competitive. There's way the, the margins have ridiculously reduced. The interest rates are way too high. We're in a weird period right now where buyers are realistic about pricing and sellers are still unrealistic about pricing. So we're in a weird dynamic trying to find margin in deals. Very difficult. And I believe that real estate and single family real estate prices are going to drop significantly. I think there's going to be massive amount of defaults are going to be happening very, very soon. So what I would tell my younger self in today's market is figure out how to build massive amounts of liquidity. I'm talking about millions of dollars, minimum a million dollars in liquid money. Figure out how to do that immediately. And the way you do that, the fastest way to do that for myself and what I do is in the digital space. I mean, you are, it, one, it's the easiest thing. You can work from home, work from a laptop, find high ticket clients for a high ticket product, anywhere from $20,000 to $100,000, right? It is easy. It is so easy to, to make a million dollars selling 10 people on a $100,000 ticket versus selling, uh, you know, a thousand people on a $10,000 item or a $10,000 ticket. I'm sorry, on a $1,000 ticket, right? And so I would tell my younger self, stop thinking so small. Go into higher ticket businesses, higher ticket sales, where you can make significantly more per deal. For example, ERC, you know, what I do with ERC right now, you know, the biggest deal I've closed in one deal, never made this in one single real estate wholesaling deal. My biggest wholesale deal was 375, uh, three, it was about 400,000, it was about 394,000. So about 400,000 was my biggest real estate wholesale deal. My biggest ERC deal was $2.23 million in one deal, one wire done. Wait, and real done. quick. What is, what is ERC? <laughs> now I got to get interested. <laughs> ERC is the employee tax retention credit. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Employee tax retention credit where we help uh, business owners qualify for a free grant from the IRS. So the IRS was giving free grants 
for business owners that qualify <clears throat> up to $26,000 per employee. And we would get a percentage of, you know, whatever we help a business owner qualify for. Um, and, you know, I helped a, a, a Ford dealership with, you know, 800 plus employees qualify for 10 plus million dollars. And we made over 2.2 million on just that one deal. You know, another deal, 670,000. Another deal, I made 1.1 million. Another deal, 700,000. So it's like, I would tell my younger self to stop thinking so small. Stop thinking about the 5K checks, the 10K checks. Focus on the 100K, the 200K, the 500K. Where can you get that right now in today's market? And there's a lot of places you can get that. I'm telling you right now, a lot of places versus searching for the single family wholesale deal where you're going to make five, seven, $12,000 and you have to spend money on marketing and your acquisitions and X, Y, Z, and you're pulling your hair out when deals fall through. It's, it's a lot more tedious. I'd rather, I'd rather tell my younger self, close $1 million deal, just one, work all at it, close that one deal, and then focus on closing and figuring out how to close more higher ticket deals. That's what I would tell my younger self. I love that. Well, I'm definitely doing research on ERC 100%. I bet the entire freaking audience is right. Um, that might have been to me, I have a pretty you don't know me as well. But I have a pretty successful wholesaling business. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, that's pretty freaking interesting, right? So that's a really interesting thing that probably the next business I'll get into, I'm gonna think about that, like, look for some high ticket closings. So my man, I appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast. Guys, if we're the, for the people watching right now, comment in here, say how much you appreciate Raphael for coming on and all the absolute gold you've been dropping, to be honest. It's been an absolute fire podcast. I've been loving it. Where can people find you? Where can people reach out to you? What is there anything you'd like to promote? Like what um what are like the avenues for people to get in contact with you and what else do you want to promote? Yeah, just follow me on my social media. I'm most active on Instagram at Real Raphael Vargas. Uh, follow me on Instagram. You'll see absolutely all of my, you know, promotions and everything that I offer right there at Real Raphael Vargas. So make sure to follow me there. I'm starting a podcast as well, Real the the Real and Raw podcast. So we're starting one up there. So make sure you follow the Real and Raw podcast as well. And uh, and yeah, just follow me on social. You'll see everything that we got going on. I love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you've got time, chill for a minute after. If you don't, I totally understand either way. But all right, guys, that's episode 98. We are freaking in it. Next week, I'm going to be in Phoenix. So it's going to be, I'm not sure if it's going to be the regular time for the podcast. So I'm not 100% sure. But next week, guys, you guys should watch Real Estate Disruptors with Steve Trang. I'm going to be his guest for next week. And then also, hopefully, I'm going on Wholesale Hotline, which will be cool, which I know a lot of my audience knows these podcasts. So go on there. I'll be posting a bunch of stuff. And Raphael, thank you so much, bro. You've been an absolute pleasure. And with that, I'm ending the podcast. Let's freaking go. I love it. Dude, thank